Good morning, everybody out there in WKXL Radio Land. This is Jane Cormier, your host for Artful Living here on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. And don't forget, NewHampshireTalkRadio.com allows you to hear all of our radio programs right online and at your schedule, easy peasy. So uh, we want to have our shout out for our sponsor, of course. And of course, you all know, my listeners all know that it's Good Life Programs and Activities, 50 plus health and wellness center right here in Concord. They offer low cost or free exercise and art classes, as well as trips, socials and educational seminars. So you can visit goodlifenh.org or you can go to the Smokestack Center at 254 North State Street in Concord and uh, give them a visit. See what they've got offering, what they're offering there, because they have something for everybody. Wonderful. Thank you. Good life. All right. So today we have a visitor in studio, and it's a young gal uh, who I have recently met at a production uh, that we've told you about a number of times uh, on Artful Living and on WKXL. Uh, Curtain Up by the Pittsfield Players is going to be on September 9th at 8 o'clock p.m. Um, scenic Theater. So I'm assuming that this is going to run just before the show goes up, but there is a young lady that I met who is the orchestra for this show, and uh, she was such a delightful gal. I thought she'd be a great guest to have on Artful Living. So uh, we want to welcome Adeline Nelson. Thank you for joining us, Adeline. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to have a conversation now. You folks out there should know, uh, and those that listen to uh, Artful Living know, that I don't tend to do pre-interview uh, commentary with folks that I really like the natural approach. And when I get to meet somebody at the same time that you meet somebody, it really does add a nice touch to the rhythm of the interview. So Uh, I do know Adeline a little bit, but I'll tell you what, we're going to be sharing information that I'm sure I'm not going to know. So this will be great. We're all learning about Adeline Nelson at the same time. And uh, so she, I can tell you this, that uh, as music director for Curtain Up, um, Adeline is a wonderful musician and just has a real natural gift for the piano. Um, Natural gift is something that isn't always you know, automatically part of what I would say uh, a good musician has. Um, But she's naturally gifted and uh, wonderful to work with, great attitude. So as a youngin, I could say that that's a great thing. Good for you. Kudos to you. Thank you so much. (laughs) So tell me, what have you thought about working with Pittsfield Players? Have you done that before? I I just did my first musical actually this past spring up at Marshwood High School. Um, oh. We did Frozen, which was so much fun. <laughs> I think there was um, a big nationwide competition um, for high schools competing to premiere this. Really, um, I think it was the first year anybody was doing Frozen. Oh my goodness! So it was a big new experience for everyone, including me. Um, I've never worked on anything, including main stage. Yeah. Um, anything that was on a keyboard, really, that's not my forte. Yes, this is different. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But you, you had fun with the show. Yeah. And so, yeah. What, like, what, where was it? How did it go? Was it the full production? Oh, it was up in South Berwick, Maine, um, oh, and nice. it was the full production. It was. It was really cool. Awesome. We did six shows, I think. Wow. So it was a great intro into musical everything. Yeah. Um, as I said, that's really not something that I've had a whole lot of experience with yet. Yeah, um, so that's I'm good. 
I'm really looking forward to getting better at that. <laughs> oh, I, I listen, you're, you're getting better and you're great just as it is. But uh, six performances for a, sh- a school show, that's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Yeah, it felt very professional. Yeah. They, they had a packed house every single show, too. Holy moly. Yeah. Well, you know what's great about that is, especially for youth, um, having done an awful lot of youth you know, musical productions, it's always sad when you can only do two you know, if you're lucky, three. Right. And, of course, by the third time, they've nailed it. They, You know, right. that's when you really want to let them have fun with it. And, you know, the show's over. So having six, that's yeah. great for the kids. Oh, it was awesome. There were so many kids there. It felt like I was at, like, a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> there were so many children screaming oh, with goodness. joy. <laughs> wow, that's great. Okay. Yeah, it was awesome. So that was just recently, and, yeah. and then you picked up this show, Curtain yeah. Up. So um, I know that this show might be a little bit different because it's not a, a book show, per right. se, right? Where you get the music, you get the, the libretto, and boom, off it goes. It's pieces of this and that. Mm-hmm. Did you find that a little bit more challenging? It's completely different, um, <laughs> this kind of cabaret style. It's really fun. Um, I think it's it's been a great experience for me to learn about the greatest pieces of musical history. Yes. Um, and to really get a taste of everything all at once. Yes. So it, you know what? And it's funny because if you haven't been brought up on musical theater, it really is a world unto itself. Mm-hmm. Just like opera is or classical music is. You know, they're, they're, they sure they converse with other art forms, but they are within themselves, you know, their own thing. And um, it's, I don't know that the audience per se really picks up on that, but the historical significance of doing these pieces that all come from different parts of musical theater history mm-hmm. um, is like a living, it really is, if you're doing it well, it's like a living theater lesson. Right. You know? Because each period has a different history, a different style, a different you know thing that's important. Right. Um, totally different view, totally different yeah. feel. Um, mm-hmm. It's really cool to see how different each of these characters are from totally different lives. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of a, a whirlwind to play that kind of thing back to back. Absolutely. So you're doing a great job. I mean, you're very, um, and this actually tells you a lot about people, believe it or not. The world of music can tell you an awful lot about the people that are in the world uh, performing it or playing with it. And the truth is, is you're very supportive um, in a very strong way, which is what I love, but you're very quiet about it too. You know what I mean? And it's, that's sometimes a very difficult balance for good musicians to maintain. Right. You know? It, it's kind of the classical accompanist um, stereotype to be quiet and um, to always be listening. Um, yeah. Thinking kind of behind the scenes about what the the conductor really is needing. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're asking for a soloist to sing in a more upbeat kind of way or I mean I there's so much I can do um from my side to support them and make it feel more natural for them to sing in a different way for whatever you're asking for yep Um, absolutely so it's so much fun to do that in this kind of style too I'm used to doing that in more of a classical style and with instrumentalists it's just really a a more formal kind of format in a way yeah the classical but they're very similar and and I think I've talked about it a couple of times on uh on our show that it's kind of funny, we, because we're a young nation, you know, we're not like Europe that has generation after generation after generation of history, right? Right. We pulled 
the history that was in Western Europe and began and started our country, by and large. And uh, our art form that came out of that was American musical theater. Right. That w- that's instinctively and distinctively uh, American art form. And, of course, the classical operatic genre was the the European art form. That was their musical theater. Every mm. little con- you know country in Europe had Mozart, right. and, and they knew about opera, and the kids went to see opera, uh, and still do. But it's kind of interesting to see that I was very surprised when I went over there to sing, you know, as an operatic gal. Mm-hmm. Um, I had grown up on musical theater here. I was going to perform, you know, in musical theater in my youth. That's what I was going to do. Oh. And it just morphed very late in the, in the game to opera. But when I went over there, I was shocked the degree to which they were... Oh, my God. It was beyond supporting. It was almost like um, hailing the American music art form. Really? It was weird. I didn't know that at all. It was like all. a big deal. I, I, I was shocked. Yeah, no. I mean, I, you go over to Europe, you know, you're singing operas. So that's like the opera world, right? Yeah. You know, wherever you might end up. And uh, to see these schools, they had entire school and departments in, in musical um you know, like musical colleges, mm-hmm. conservatory per se, uh, that were totally engrossed in, in developing musical theater. And they they loud it over there. They love it. That is so cool. That I weird? had no idea. Yeah, and because it was distinctly American. And for them, that was a big deal. Like right. seeing Oklahoma performed in St. Petersburg, Russia, mm-hmm. was weird. <laughs> Right. I mean, in in language accent aside, um, the style of it for them was so very different because, you know, I don't be don't want to do too general here, but Mm -hmm. there is a very specific format usually for nationalistic opera or classical music. You know, it's this is it. This is what you do when you follow the composer and did it. It's kind of, I don't want to say rigid because, you know, it's not really, but it's very set. Well, American musical theater is certain, certainly has set, mm-hmm. but it has a certain buoyant flexibility in there, too. Right. And I think that that's what they impress. I think they think that's just the coolest thing. That is so cool. Isn't that funny? Thank you for telling me that. I'm learning so much. (laughs) I would never have thought. Anyway, we're going to take a little break here on WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord and 101.9 FM in Manchester. Jane Cormier, your host. And uh, we'll be back in a second with Adeline Nelson. Hang on. We're coming right back. Welcome back. WKXL, NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. You are with Art for Living, your host Jane Cormier here on WKXL 1450 AM. And our guest today is Adeline Nelson, who is a young pianist. And uh, she is playing for a show that's happening on September 9th at the Scenic Theater. But uh, we were talking in the last segments a little bit about, we're we're talking shop, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit about musical theater, classical music. But let's talk a little bit about Adeline. So tell us and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. What brought you into the music world? um, And and what are your aspirations going forward? Hmm. You know, I I grew up in Cornish, New Hampshire, um, right on the border of Vermont. 
and there's there's really not a whole lot over there. There's a lot of corn. <laughs> um, there's a lot of farmers. Okay. Most of my classmates were farmers. <laughs> um, and not a whole lot of music. Um, but what little there was, I really, really held on to. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I had a little book of the orchestra, um, probably when I was a toddler, that I was just obsessed with. <laughs> I had a little CD, and I'd just pick out all the instruments. Um, wow. I, my grandmother played a little bit of piano, and my mom did while she was pregnant with me. Um, I think that really seeped into me somehow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I remember asking her, I think when I was probably just turned three, um, if she would teach me this little Clementi sonatina that she was working on. And it was just an earworm, you know. Um, So I think there must have been a feeling of that's really beautiful Mm. and I want to be able to make that too. Yes. Um, And it was really exciting to me. Isn't that something? Okay, so, you know, in our last uh, segment that we did today, we recorded a... And I'm not sure when that one will run, but we talked a little bit, funny enough, about farming here in New Hampshire, yeah. believe it or not, art for living. Or you'd say, you know, what the heck is farming yeah. in there? <laughs> but the truth is, is the essence of art is beauty, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, I suppose you can have that disagreement or discussion if you want about what is art, right? But aesthetically speaking, the history of art has always been about beauty. Right. And I think that maybe while... Cornish, New Hampshire, although I don't think I've ever been there. It'd be maybe a place for me to go. Yeah. Um, the beauty that is innately in those farm areas or those towns that are more rural mm-hmm. do lend themselves sometimes in a surprising way right. to be a fertile ground for something beautiful to grow out that you might not see on first glance. You know? Yeah, I completely agree. So maybe the back, the beautiful surroundings that you were in, the backdrop that you were in, and the fact that your folks and you had family members that were musically inclined mm-hmm. was all the seed that you needed to um, plant. It, it was a very peaceful childhood, I would say. It, the mountains were just beautiful. The valley, if anybody's been to the upper valley, it's just beautiful. Yeah, I um, believe it. Yeah, you, you should visit. Um, St. Gaudens has a whole sanctuary there yes. of all of his work. Okay. I used to visit that pretty frequently when I was little. Great. Um, there's there's a great deal of peace and of breath, mm-hmm. I guess, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Um, even just visiting there recently, um, it it just has a a really beautiful aura. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you so when we started. The conversation today, I had said to our listeners that, uh, you know, we were going to talk and just have our conversation because even though we're, you know, I know you a little bit, I don't really know you, you know, as a person, (laughs) but I find it kind of fun that what you're saying about a peaceful upbringing and, you know, um, the aura being something that was beautiful, that really shows in your music. Oh. No, it does. You know, it's it's not brain, music is not brain surgery. As much as people mm-hmm. like to make things technical and big deals and oh, you know, the truth is, uh, beyond the the technical um, aspect that you know you have to learn how to play the notes, you have to learn how to sing the notes, right? Mm-hmm. We're really talking about something that is a, a state of art that's just beauty, right? Beauty, right. sound, or you know whatever it might be, and 
you can actually see people in the business. I've seen it. You can meet people in the business where their background, like what you're telling me, I'm not at all surprised about. Mm -hmm. Because it is in the playing. There is no rush when you play. That's so nice to hear. (laughs) No, it is. It was obvious from the very first time listening to you because I remember at the beginning there was a little bit of concern that maybe this style of this song wasn't something that you would acclimate you knew you knew right at the beginning Mm -hmm. but I knew immediately that you were going to acclimate quickly because there was that sense of ease right ease and but still in control right right not ease to the point to the point where you know there was a question no (laughs) ease because you were in control Mm. and you see that's the thing you can't really train. You can train good technical skill. You can train fast fioratura. You can, you know, you could train all. But you know what? You can't train soul, and and that's that has come obviously. I think anyway from just hearing you speak a little bit about your background. That is so good to hear. Yeah, I think that um, you know, following those years growing up, I've spent quite a while taking piano lessons mm-hmm. and learning as fast as I possibly could, wanting to be as good as I possibly can be. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure what my goal was with that. I think more of what I was saying earlier, it's this want to be able to make what I'm hearing yeah. and have it in my own hands. Yeah, and, happen. Make it happen. Oh, it's so, it's so beautiful. It's so wonderful to have yeah. a beautiful like Chopin ballade in my hands. Yes. Um, and I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah. And it's it's powerful, isn't it? It's wonderful. But to allow that technical necessity mm-hmm. not get in the way yes. of what meditation is underneath yes. is so difficult. It is difficult because at the same time that you have to be able to control, you have to let it go. Mm-hmm. And that is two different brain activities. Right. Right. One is this this physical manifestation and the other one is the sensory one. Mm. And you have to let those synapses, you have to figure them out first and then you just have to let them go. Um, and I think any great anything, that's probably true. But musicians, it's especially true. I've seen some scary good pianists mm-hmm. in my time. I'm and, sure. You know, it, probably the highest level that you can go. And... I've seen pianists that perhaps were not um, had famous pianists that that had big careers that were not considered as technically you know wow mm-hmm. as others and yet moved people a lot more mm. you know so you got to be able to let the technical go you're absolutely right with right. that right I I think this moment that I I just finished my senior recital I'm just now out of college mm-hmm. for now maybe I'll go back for grad school it's something I always thought about when I was younger yeah um I think I'm in a very conscious phase of letting go uh-huh. and trying to um really access that that yeah. piece that that beauty that inherent nature within me it is it shows on i'm working on it so no hard. no I it's appreciate there. That. no absolutely it's listen when you're a musician you meet a lot of musicians right you're <laughs> out in that world you're meeting them all over the place yeah. but no that is a standout for you and i think that mm. going forward that's probably going to be if you continue if you decide to continue <laughs> um that would probably be the thing that when when you're complete, if we ever get complete uh, with training and stuff, that's the thing that's going to sell. That's mm. the thing that that's going to be yours. That's the thing that you just said. 
when I hold it in my hands, the the Chopin piece, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. Because you can feel that that's right. You can feel that's right. Right. And there is something about that that uh, not everybody gets, mind you. Not everybody feels that. Um, But that's why we play. That's why we do music. It it really is. It's it's really hard to hold on to. Yeah, it is. Especially I think <laughs> I think everybody probably in their 20s needs to go through this period of um hearing everybody around them ask for more and demand more. People who want to see the best from them. Mm-hmm. Um my teachers have certainly done that and for good reason. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um there's a technical ability that has to grow during this period of time, but in order to go any further in life, to not just dread playing music. Yeah, my you, goodness. You have to. You have, you have to, to find that back. balance. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what? As a fine wine does, a good musician does ages as well. Yeah. <laughs> and let's face it, you know, what can we put in? That's why I've always said opera singers today. They're um, making them way too quick. They're making the big stars way too early. And hmm. as as a consequence, the voice is suffering. You know, the voice won't last 30, 40 years like they used to. Right. Um, but also, how can you give an audience a performance of uh, La Traviata, let's say, you know, with a heroine that's willing to give up everything she has for the man that she loves, if you have never experienced if never experienced the depth of that kind of love. Right. How do you show what you haven't experienced? So arts arts grow, you know, and for a good reason. Right. right. I hear that music. We're going to have to take a break. WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, and 101.9 FM in Manchester. This is Jane Cormier from Art for Living. Hang tight, because we're coming right back with Adeline Nelson. Welcome back, WKXL, NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. Jane Cormier here, your host for Artful Living Today. And our guest today is a young lady, uh, Adeline Nelson, who is a wonderful young pianist. And uh, if you have been listening through our our last segment, Adeline was telling us a little bit about her um, life as she was... Uh, studying. Now, you know what? You didn't tell us where did you go? Where did you go to school? <laughs> where did I go? Yes. Um, for college. Yes. <laughs> I went to UNH. UNH. Awesome. Yeah. And so your degree is in what? I, I got two degrees, one in music performance and piano and the other one's in psychology. Oh, my God. That is so awesome. So when I got my creative arts degree, my my uh, other my minor was in psychology as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Oh, that's, that's yeah. weird. But it wasn't a full-blown degree. Did You, you probably got a two two different degrees right yeah wow it, it took an extra year but, oh my goodness um yeah and honestly halfway through i decided that i wish i'd done philosophy instead really <laughs> yeah yeah oh. so i started a minor on that and i don't think i ever really got around to finishing it yeah but, um so what made you do both what what drove well, you to that it's an interesting question i <laughs> <laughs> i think i've always been really interested in the biggest questions I could ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was little, that was in 
reading Stephen Hawking in Carl Sagan in okay. um, theoretical physics, I was just obsessed with. And um, I just wanted to ask, I wanted to know why, um, why anything? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think <laughs> during my little high school journey, I think neuroscience was my direction for how I could answer the biggest question I could ask is, uh-huh. okay, well, let's, let's start with the brain. Okay. Um, You're going through the technical side there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I ended up starting as neuroscience for a couple of years. Wow. Um, and then the pandemic started. And as with a lot of people, um, I, think, I think I had a good amount of space to mm. think about why I was there and why I felt so unhappy. Wow. In a lot of ways. Um, so that actually worked for you at a time. Timing wise, that worked. It was great. It was not the best um, circumstance. Yeah, yeah I get of that. course. But yeah. it was it was a really good time. Um, I had a few months down with my mom in Maryland to prepare my junior recital. Um, I ended Beautiful. up giving that in Virginia. Beautiful. Um, via live stream. Yeah. Gotcha. Which, you know, it's not, all right. Not the same. But. Yeah, it's not. But you did what you had to do and. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It was a good amount of, of space and time to just think again. Yeah. And so when you were going through COVID and, and rethinking that, what was what was the thought process? From neuroscience, did you, you change your major at that point? or? Yeah. You know, I took an Eastern philosophy class with Tim Triplett, and I... My entire world just exploded. Really? It was opened in the most beautiful ways. Um, I wrote him a, a thank you note after that class. That was just wonderful. And so how did that how did that affect you? Like give us specifics. I'm interested. Well, I mean, as you can imagine, choosing a, a path like classical piano is uh, it can be a pretty type A yeah. oriented path. I don't think that ever really was me. Um, but I think that I've been pushed into that self um, idealization okay. to be a more um, always prepared type A, doing the best, doing the most all the time yeah. um, kind of person. And that's also where I was like, well, I can I can do neuroscience. Everybody will respect that. Everybody will oh, have something good to say about me, right? Um, okay. And I'm deeply interested, yes, but maybe not in the ways that people are going to understand mm-hmm. or give thought to in the most. Sure. Um, so I think taking a step back and looking at questions that anybody can ask with any level of education, mm-hmm. um, looking at the world from the more the more organic standpoint, um, I think that that really helped me to reevaluate. Isn't that um, something? That what is it really great. was? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was huge time for you. Yeah. You know, to make that switch. So the organic way, um, led that thought process led you to where to where. It led me to where I am now, which where is, is that? eternally wondering where I am. Okay. Um, and I, that's okay. I think just at a great state of peace with not taking myself too seriously, <laughs> as um, Benjamin Zander would tell me, yeah. um, and <laughs> of not taking the world too seriously, 
and which can be really hard today. Oh yeah, right? especially during a global pandemic. Yes, no this kidding. Is, this is when it was decided. We just we just need to make the best of things always mm-hmm. and find a deeper joy in everything right. and a deeper reason than my degree, than my resume, right. than how anybody would think of me. Yeah. Um, and redefining, I guess, what success looks for me um, and what really matters. Yeah. What really matters to you is in- inevitably the thing that will make you happy right. because you either do that or you don't. If that's what matters to you, you ignore that at your own peril. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I think I realize that I am the only person who needs to live in my body. Yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah. And I might as well make it an enjoyable time. <laughs> How old are you? 24? 22. 22. Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought you said it gave you an extra year. So, it, <laughs> so you sweet. did two, two degrees at, at 22. Yeah. So you know what? There is no rush. No. And there's plenty of time for you to figure it all out. I think you're in a good space, though. Yeah. To be able to see what you want to do with whatever. I think so, too. I I feel very happy with my decision to stay in small town, seacoast, new market area. It's Um, beautiful out there. It's it's really beautiful. It's very different than where I grew up. Um, And the arts are just a little bit more... mm, not not necessarily appreciated, but funded a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And um, I get what you mean. Yeah, there's more people talking about it, and there's just more art around me. It's yeah. it's very inspiring. Good for you. So, what do you think long long term and short term? Let's talk about both. I always ask this for everyone. <laughs> so, short term, where do you see yourself going? Any idea where you might or what you might not want to do, or might, what you're going to ch- you know choose? Hmm. Well. I've been running my own piano studio for the past, I mean, I'd say five or six years. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. And I'm really sinking into that with my time and my energy, um, putting a lot of focus on that. I love teaching. Do you? I do so much. Okay. Um, I love sharing a space with with young minds, with mm. people with open minds, with old minds. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have... With a st- mind. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have students from age um, three to, I think, 75. What do you do with a three-year-old <laughs> piano student? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah, um, that's kind of a trick. Music time, you know. Yeah, music time. <laughs> um, whatever they seem to be taking to really because it's about their discovery not yeah. what i want them to do at that age you can't exactly you gotta let them go and see what they what they come up with right it's about giving them the opportunity to learn yeah. and i think that's that's really the the case in every age um yeah. it's it's not just three-year-olds i think we're all three-year-olds that just, just need to be yeah. given the the materials and the space and the opportunity and um i think that everybody does want to understand and exist mm-hmm. more fully and happily um so yeah it, i'm i'm putting a lot of my time and attention into that right now um and where is your studio i am teaching a little bit at the sanctuary in greenland where Beautiful. i'm the music director at the um greenland ucc yay just really fun Good. Um, lots of new skills learning there uh-huh um, and I teach in home, which I think is kind of a dying practice. Yeah. Um, I always loved it. Yeah. When I was having kids, 
I, I had a home studio. Really? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, come on. What better way can you, you know, take care of business and still have a good lesson and, you know, have a, a good musical life? Right. Yeah. But I'm also, I'm traveling to other people's homes. Oh, you're going to there? Yes. And that, I, I think it, it offers special opportunities for um, families that travel can be difficult, families yeah. with multiple kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a special time to have that space in their own home, yeah. too. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's been really fun. Is it at all stressful to do that in the in the in different spaces everywhere you go? Um, I think it's a lot of books to carry. My it my shoulder is. gets a little bit tired. Yes, that's um, true. Um, yeah, that's probably the worst thing. Yeah. Um, parking and you have to plan it out because you know I have done traveling not so much for voice lessons, but you have to plan out which students you have when, what book you need, what music. Oh, exactly. You know, sometimes if you can make copies and put them in the three ring binder rather than carry the four, four <laughs> book, it's that takes work too. But then I'll just end up carrying all <laughs> of them. <laughs> I totally, totally with you. All right, we're going to take a little break here. WKXL fourteen fifty AM one hundred three point nine FM Concord and one hundred one point nine FM in Manchester. We are Artful Living. Jane Cormier, your host, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Artful Living here. Jane Cormier, your host, WKXL, New Hampshire, talkradio.com. WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, Concord, and, of course, 101.9 FM in Manchester. So if you're just joining us, our guest today is Adeline Nelson, who is a 22-year-old, old soul, wonderful pianist, um, who is the music, um, she is actually doing it all for Curtain Up, which is a fundraiser for the Pittsfield Players Scenic Theater, September 9th at 8 o'clock p.m. And um, she is, she's been sharing with us, I guess, her, her life journey with regard to the arts. And I have found it very fascinating. Uh, your last, the last question I asked you was short term. So now I'm going in for the, we're oh, going no. in for the kill. <laughs> um, so no, so here's the thing, especially at 22. Um, and maybe not so much for you because you seem to be pretty centered. You know, that's pretty good. But um, if all the bets were off, all of the manifestations of what you're supposed to do, uh, blah, 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 are off. Fear, no fear. You have all the money in the world to do what you want to do. What would you do if you did? Uh, what would you do with your music? Hmm. So you see, we've unqualified everything. Right. You know, we've taken it all aside. If you're just left with that, what would you do? You know, I... I really want to say that I would be doing exactly what I'm doing. Really? Um, I, I don't think that anything would change. Um, so you're really doing. It would. Honestly, exactly. I feel like I'm living my dream. It's it's so simple. It's so quaint. And it makes me very happy. <laughs> well, that is, that's pretty weird at 22. Now, we hear that when we're 42, you know. But uh, 22, not so much. But if you had the ability to work with anyone, is there anyone that you would want to work with? I mean, would you ever want to go to a Juilliard or something to do grad work? Or? You know, I thought about that. I used to study with um, Dr. Shang Tu, who's a Juilliard graduate. Um, he's the reason why I came to UNH. He was just the, honestly, the best pianist I've ever seen in my life. Wow. 
Um, he's moved on since then yeah. to many more wonderful things. Um, but we talked about that a bit back then. Um, I think my type A driven mind would say, yeah, I want to I want to go do collaborative or yeah. pedagogy or something. Mm-hmm. Um, even I was talking about performance at a conservatory. Um, and honestly, maybe, maybe someday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I know that if I do that, then it will be only for me mm-hmm. and only to better myself. Right. It's not necessarily going to offer me a ton more opportunities or a ton it will be More what money, you what you, know? you make of it. Absolutely. Right. And I'm not really concerned about that. Um, I think it would be nice to live rent free, sure. But yeah. um, I'm not. Yeah, I think the money dealings are probably my least favorite thing to worry about. But I would still be wanting to work with kids. And um, I love being a collaborative pianist Mm -hmm. it is so much fun working with singers and with Mm -hmm. instrumentalists with choirs Um, I was just hired to play with the um, the concert choir at UNH beautiful um, which is so exciting it's I just love doing stuff like that yeah well you know what you're a people gal so it would make sense that you would like to share in that whole process you know I'd have to be with people yeah Uh, that's that's not going to change. You know, that's not always true, though, for, for some musicians, you know. Mm. Some musicians, especially on the higher end, um, I have found to be very private. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that their world isn't, you know, for them all-encompassing growth and reaching out. It just means that they, as a human being, don't do that. Mm. They, they produce in their own space, and it's very defined. I, I've noticed that through the years. I completely agree. You know? Most of the pianists I've met in my life are very solitary. Solitary, yes. Which makes word. sense yeah. um, as to how a solitary instrument it is. Yeah. And your upbringing and your training is completely alone, mm-hmm. um, which I find kind of sad um, yeah. as somebody who likes being with people so often. So I think that is what has pushed me towards the collaborative and pedagogy yes. kind of route yeah. um, versus performing. I, I just don't really like sitting alone in a practice room much. And you know what? You don't have to, you don't have to uh, go that route anyway. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny that I think that, uh, especially for the arts, we, we always think the big ticket is the big deal, yeah. right? I mean, you know, if, you've, if you haven't sung at the Met, then you really haven't made it, right? Yeah. Um, and no, that's really not true um, in so many ways. But I mean, for the youngster today... I'm not sure that they're wise enough to understand that, you know, because it's they're going so fast usually, right. trying to get there quickly, um, that they kind of miss the whole journey on the way up, you know. You can certainly take care of yourself financially by, um, and I tell my singers, my young kids this all the time, I've had, I've had some really gifted um, singers, mm-hmm. young singers that have come to me, that have been with me, let's say, through all of high school. And when it gets to college time, the, the parents come to me with the, yeah, but they can't. Mm. Yeah, but how are they going to make a living? Mm. Yeah, but. I'm and, surprised my mom didn't say that. Yeah, I, I'm very surprised. You know what? She must have known you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, it's always a difficult you know, discussion. I've gotten right. pretty good at having it because I've had it so many times. But um, it all starts in that seed that what is your definition 
for success. Right. Because if you think that the success has to be, you know, Carnegie Hall and the big concert career, um, okay. But is your success fulfillment and happiness? And and yes, you can even grow, right. uh, you know, <laughs> at your own pace doing what you want to do. Um, and that is almost 100%. If someone has a true love for the art form, that they that they want to go into. I really don't care what the outer things are that are going on. Mm. That person is going to be fine. Right. They're going to find a way to work through it. Um, when you take away the joy in what people are moved by, you end up with older people that are very unhappy because mm-hmm. you can't get those years back. Right. I should have. I should have done something. I should have done this. Usually transcribes to someone that didn't do what they really felt moved to do mm. for whatever reason. And, you know, in these you know years that I've lived, I can't tell you far majority that's true. Yeah. I, I'm not even surprised. How sad, right? I A mean, somebody s- who went to work for 40 years doing their job, 30 years doing a job. And um, hated it. Right. But it brought home the money. I, well, I certainly can appreciate their stoicism, you know? Right. right. But um, <laughs> life yeah. is too short. That's sad, yeah. And I think my generation has a little bit of a different view mm-hmm. on the shortness and um, just possibility that everything around you just might crumble at mm. any given moment. Mm. Um, having this pandemic that just happened and everything. I mean, the, the media um, visibility that we have just mm. around us at All the time. this age. Yeah. I think that more and more of us are very moved to that direction of, I just want to be happy. Yes. I just want to live in a way that's fulfilling to me. Mm-hmm. And um, who knows if I'll ever retire. <laughs> You're right. And you, that's, I'm kind of there myself. Everybody keeps saying, oh, retire, retire. And I keep saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to retire. And then I never do. And do what? And do what? Indeed. <laughs> you, what are you going to do? Right? You're going to go sit in your house and, and look at TV? I mean, no, no. I could never do it. No. You know, I think that the uh, what you said is 200% true. There's, there's one thing that I would say that um, a disclaimer I would attach to that, that I hope that your age, because I agree with what you're saying, mm-hmm. but it's not self-fulfillment. I could say it because I'm old. It's self-fulfillment that brings others uh, goodness mm-hmm. and betterment. Right. Self-fulfillment is one thing, but the truest form of self-fulfillment only comes when you give what you have to someone else in a meaningful way. Right. Then you're going to be happy. And of course, happy, you know, we have that happy, happy, woo, you know, thing. But you know what? Happy is is not a destination. Mm-mm. It's a way of being. Mm-hmm. So it's you're not always going to be happy, but you don't always have to be miserable. Right. And so you got to play that game. So absolutely, totally agree with you. I think your generation does have the acumen to understand that um, it can... It, we should not be making life choices on these, um, what's this? What's the word, like structures that have just been put there previously. Right, right. 
right? I think kids are more cognizant, like you said, of I have more ability to, you know, to flow with what I want. Yeah. But flow in the direction of others is really the key, I think. Truly. And isn't that what music does? <laughs> you don't play music for yourself. No, you're performing <laughs> for others. <laughs> It's a natural. (laughs) Adeline, you're a joy to have her on, and I wish you nothing but good things. I'm sure all good things are going to come to you. You're a good kid. Thank you so much. you're very talented. And uh, we want to thank you for listening here on Artful Living, WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM and 101.9 FM in Manchester. Jane Cormier, your host here, and we hope you'll join us at the next Artful Living. Have a great day, and thanks for joining us. 